Hi, I'm your host, Susan Nay. Welcome to the podcast series, HR Inside Out. It's a series designed to help you demystify HR and the human resource processes. We're going to talk about people management and get the goods on and see how all this stuff works. You're going to hear from everyday heroes and get their perspectives as we touch on a wide variety of topics, topics that impact us in our work and in our work environments. You'll find nuggets for your treasure chest of learning. Hopefully you'll discover insights for your personal and your professional growth. I'm glad you're here. I suspect it's because you want to be the very best version of yourself, your personal best, and that you get understanding these systems and processes will help you on your journey, on your path. You ready to dare to soar? Want to join me at flight school? Let's do this. Thanks for joining me today. Hi, welcome to the podcast series, HR Inside Out, Demystifying HR and People Management. I'm your host, Susan Nay. Today's guest on the program is Charlene Wright of Smart Career Solutions, Career Coaching for Creatives. I met Charlene when I was leading a Zoom session. Her purple hair caught my attention, as did her comment about being a coach with a PhD, about being a purple-haired do. (laughs) We arranged to chat further after the session, and well, I know she can offer wonderful tips for you and your career journey So I invited her to be with us here today. Welcome, Charlene. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Thank you. So first, a little about you. Charlene, a chalkboard artist, a painter, a professional clown, (laughs) and a facilitator, coach, and trainer. She's an individual who calls herself a creativepreneur. She helps others honor all of who they are especially and including their creative side as they transition from job loss, from employment to entrepreneurship, shifting into retirement, from change. In my conversation with Charlene, she noted that people only really get ready for a career transition when they have to. And thus they find the process something that really shakes them to their core. Also that we need to get better at self-managing our careers. Now, Charlene founded Smart Career Solutions, SCS, to recognize and celebrate that a significant number of professionals don't fit into a traditional service model and that not all professionals wear a suit or would consider themselves an average job seeker. She asks, are you an out-of-work creative professional that wants a new job? or wants to build a creative business, or both? Do you leverage your creative and artistic skills to your advantage? Are you missing out on better opportunities? Have you married the elements of being creative, finding meaningful work, and generating money? She offers job search online courses and career career coaching if you are ready to leverage your superpower or at least be willing to be held accountable. And all her work is aligned with her belief that creatives bring valuable contributions to the workplace and to the world. Charlene brings her own career experience working as a facilitator, an artist, and a manager, and her professional training as a career development practitioner 
to our time together today. Again, really appreciate you saying yes. No, it, like I said, it's great opportunity and I'm very passionate about the subject. Last time we talked, it came across, we really had a great connection and it, we seem to be uh, on the same page with a lot of things for sure. And you left me very curious about a whole bunch of things that um, I'm excited about learning more about and, and I know our listeners will as well. Now, I know you mostly work with individuals in transition. And I suspect that primarily it's with those who are currently unemployed and are seeking their next opportunity. And that also transition happens when people retire or they make the shift to becoming an entrepreneur by choice. You use the term that transition shakes the apple tree. Can you share about what you meant by this? Because I've certainly got my own thoughts. And what about common features that you see with people who are going through that career transition process? Can you chat a little bit about that for us? Absolutely. Us? Absolutely. <laughs> it's funny when I hear people uh, using my words back um, to me because um, it, it, it's so obvious that I'm a visual learner and a visual communicator. Shaking the apple tree, I can almost see what happens for people um, inside and, you know, again, continuing on the core of them, you know, perhaps being the apple. So yeah, it, it's not always an easy time. I have to say that one of the things that I say often is that so many people hate job search and certainly hate career transitions. And it's not unlike other big changes that happen in people's lives. Transitions do shake us up. Um, they can be unsettling and very overwhelming. And even though um, folks could be incredibly capable, you know, the best of people still start to struggle and question themselves. I've worked with thousands of professionals in transition, and this is common across the board, regardless of their education or their experiences. And yes, absolutely, most of the folks that I work with are in a transition of some type, and usually it's related to their job. Um, Sometimes they're also considering, you know, taking a step into something that feels a little riskier, like doing mm -hmm. a side gig, certainly with the creative types. Some, some of them are also wanting to start a business. That's part of my background. So I certainly would want to talk to people about my, what I learned and, and where my bumps and bruises and learning came from. But as we talked about before, is that the reason I do this work is because I really believe that the work that we do in this world where the jobs that we pick uh, really reflects our contribution to the um, what we're bringing to the world, our contribution to the world, and and even our purpose, and um, you know that's a big part of who we are. So we also get a lot of our confidence from um, our jobs because it can um, give us a sense of our identity, who we are. You know, sometimes we get you know a position that gives us lots of respect from others. So it, it's a big deal. And if that stops or when that stops and or changes, it brings up all sorts of stuff. And that's what I mean by shaking up the apple tree. Um, the apple tree is really our confidence and our sense of security. And I'm being very um, specific here. It's not shakes up the security, the mm -hmm. sense of security more than anything. Um, I also uh, would say that a lot of people tell me that they think it would have never happened to them. You know, I didn't think this would happen to me. Somehow living in a bubble, maybe they've been with their employer for a really long time, 
or they've got exceptional skills that are sought after. But as you know, <laughs> and many of your listeners will know, is that COVID taught us absolutely yeah, yeah. that um, you can't have, we don't have guarantees and things are changing. And really it's the ones that are adapting that are um, managing. And um, I also used to say a lot of times and still do, I'm referring back to all the years of all the um, folks that I've spoken with, but that um, it's really about this learning curve that we are going on and it happens at the same time as all the emotional stuff that's going on for us and people really don't plan. They don't think it's going to happen to them, so they don't plan. It's like an insurance package. Mm -hmm. They don't plan for it and therefore big learning curve major emotional stuff, maybe um, thoughts of doubt or confusion for that matter. Um, and it just piles up. So, you know, and I, and I would think for a lot of people, it, it might have been a long time since they've been through the job search process before. And of course, that changes, changes every yes. second, let alone, you know, over over decades. Now, Absolutely. Big change even within that. Yes, I agree. We also talked about the importance of trust. And you'd talk that, you know, it, it becomes even more difficult and probably a harder landing when trust has been broken. And I think we talked about like a negative employment experience. Well, how, actually, how do you help? Sorry, how do you help your clients get beyond that and just to, to start to do that rebuild? Well, just to reframe it a little bit to, or to add to it, I think it's not just trust for um, towards others, it's trust in ourselves. Oh. And you know, taking it to a whole other level for ourselves. I think trust is really a form of confidence. It's linked to perhaps our self-awareness, you know, the term self-actualization, knowing ourselves and emotional intelligence. That was, um, those were some of the topics that you were discussing in your mm -hmm. presentation for us. And really believing that you can and will make a good decision for whatever the next step is in your life. And also knowing that if you hit a brick wall, you're going to be able to tackle it. Um, it's almost like you don't, even though you don't have a plan of all the what ifs, there has to also <laughs> at least be a knowing that whatever will come, you will manage it. You will take it on, you know, if you have to pick yourself back up, um, pull your socks up and dust off, that you have that faith in yourself. And then the others, which you pointed out, is that, yes, there are all kinds of situations that people go through in, our, in their workplaces. And North America, we tend to really put our hearts and souls into the work that we choose. And it doesn't mean that, you know, we're up there in the glass tower making all the big bucks. Like, we're contributing. We're doing our thing. So we want to be respected and appreciated. So it's not just a transaction anymore for services for money. Mm -hmm. So we absolutely can have our hearts um, professionally broken on the job. So I say on the job because we could have challenging people or conflict within the workplace. It could be because of the job, maybe promises not kept, you know, those raises or promotions that don't happen where we start to, you know, kind of just feel kind of resentful. And then, of course, when we lose the job, um, like I said, if we didn't think it would happen to us or, you know, who knows what happens. It's like, wow, now I'm here. So it's really hard to not bring that forward. And that's what people do, right? We, we have all these experiences and that gives us the lens that we look forward through. 
Yeah. We can't assume that that's going to happen again and again. It's not always going to be negative. We have to trust a little bit. Mm -hmm. So you ask, how do we get beyond it? I think sometimes we need to give ourselves a break. I think that's one of the biggest ones. Be kind to ourselves. You know, um, I used to have a colleague that talked often about the importance of mourning the loss of um, what yeah, was. Good right? point. Yes. Yeah. And and how that's truly affecting you. I think it absolutely um, affects you, especially if you don't give yourself some time to process what's going on. Um, and then also really needing to understand for yourself, how do you define trust? How, what do you look for when you're looking to trust other people? You know, what makes them trustworthy in your definition? Is it their reputation? Is it what they're saying? Is it what they're doing? And I think a lot of times the job seeker, perhaps in that desperate sort of make it happen um, state of mind, they're not doing the proper research. Um, maybe it's that information is out there on social media. You know, <laughs> you can find almost anything these days yeah. about people, right? And um, I think that also, we need to give ourselves permission to ask really pointed questions in the interview so that if trust has been broken for us in the past, that we can strategically ask questions, not like, are you trustworthy, but more so what would you do if this unfolded mm -hmm. in the workplace and ask that mm -hmm. of the boss or the interviewer or the person mm -hmm. in HR, because you deserve to know those things as well. You're making a big commitment as well. So I would say that's a, a huge one. You mentioned that too. It's like interviews. I know we hear people saying it all the time, but it's a two-way street. You interview them well, right? Yeah. And that, that is critical both for the organization and for the individual. Yes. Yeah. Because you talked about, I think you used the phrase, competence comes through confidence. And I, I know from all my years of recruiting that when someone comes into an interview, competent feeling that confidence in the skills that they have to offer and their abilities, they probably have a much higher likelihood of being considered further than somebody who comes across as unsure of themselves and what they have to offer. Um, and so getting back that confidence to be able to present their best selves in their job searches is a really important piece that I'm sure you help your clients regain when they have uh, have been um, shaken. It's funny how you say that because, you know, I used to say that, that my job is to hold um, the faith and the belief um, for the client until they access it for themselves. Um, but I also, with that statement, competence comes through confidence. I think it actually goes both ways. So yeah, absolutely. You build confidence when you practice. We've all heard of that one. And mm -hmm. um, we become competent at something and we feel good about that when we know what we're doing. But then also I like to spin it and say that competence comes through confidence. Pardon me. I'm mix mixing that up. So let me come back. So you mentioned competence comes through confidence. Like you said, how you present yourself and your confidence really does project, right? Yeah. It's attractive. People are drawn to it. And it doesn't matter what shape or size you are or what color your hair is. People want to know you. If you believe in yourself, they believe they can believe in you as well. Mm -hmm. So I'm not talking about arrogance and that puffed up sort of talk about yourself like you're all that in a bag of chips. I'm really talking about knowing um, 
what you bring to the table, but also recognizing that you need to learn and earn your success. Um, simple things like taking the time to figure out how to do job search these days. Like you said, it's changing all the time. Mm -hmm. um, it's like a course in its own right. We need to figure out the how-tos. There's formulas and there's systems to use. And there's also expectations from the person that's interviewing us. They want you to understand how to answer the question. Um, you have something you need to know about them. And many folks that I've known in HR express great relief when they get an applicant that actually knows how to do an interview, right? Well, it makes a huge difference. And it's so obvious when somebody's actually spent some time of looking up and finding out who we are as a company, you know, who we are as an organization, what our values are. And it's unfortunate that that's actually quite rare. I agree. And I almost think it, um, it doesn't match the kind of respect that we have for the kinds of jobs we want to have. If you know what I mean? It's like, if, if I'm asked, I sometimes speak about this with um, my younger folks that I coach is that we need to make sure that um, what we're offering matches what we're asking. Um, and too many times people are just looking for maybe a handout or just a hand up without putting a little bit of effort in for, um, on their end. And I know that there's all kinds of things behind the scenes, like, sure, we all deserve a living wage and we deserve to get raises and things like that, but not just because, it's because you've done something. So, yeah, I think it's kind of that, I call it winging it, when people just wing it, right? They'll, yeah, whatever, I'm going to go to an interview, I'll just wing it. I know what I, I know what I know about myself and I don't want to seem too scripted. Um, you know, I, that one, I think, is kind of a false confidence for sure. Mm -hmm. And ooh, bites them in the bottom for sure as well. Yeah, it's really, really sad when it's a job that somebody really wants to land, you know, Absolutely. and that if they'd just taken a little bit of time, then they probably could have been the top candidate. And I'd like to add a couple more points, if I may, here. Yeah, absolutely. Creatives are notorious for this, and, and I love them. And many of us that are not creative might experience it as well, is that they don't like being told what to do or what's right or what's wrong. There's a certain independence and freedom that comes with the personality style. So um, they're notorious for winging things. Um, and then in interviews, you know, it's common for people to just be uncomfortable, right? It's like, oh my gosh, I'm nervous. People don't like to talk about themselves. We've been taught socially that that's not acceptable. I always say an interview is a very unique time in your life. It's not a conversation with your buddy at the coffee shop talking about yourself. It's a strategic sharing. It's not selling. It's sharing information about who you are. So like you're doing, so you can nod your head and know like we're making a match here. You're understanding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, I'm going to keep going if that's okay, because there yeah. is a free list here. That's why we're here. Awesome. So uh, feeling uncomfortable about talking about themselves or people sometimes think that their work should speak for itself, which sometimes works if it's in a gallery, but doesn't always work if you're um, looking to be in a different kind of environment to use your creative skills. And then another big piece um, is about that feeling of fitting in. That's very common with the creative professionals. And 
I don't know who really feels like they fit in an interview and because that's just naturally uncomfortable. So that's totally a trigger point for them. And I think because of that, not just creatives, but many people just rule themselves out of opportunities because they don't want to feel uncomfortable. And I will continue because, oh, did you have a question? Yeah, yeah, I'm hoping, I'm hoping because both for people who are overseers of people and involved in the recruitment processes, um, I hope you're gonna also give some tips. One, it's good for the people who are interviewing to know that when interviewing creatives, some of this may be presenting and part of the challenge of getting the best interview out of the individual. What can they be doing to encourage either that higher comfort level or uh, the, just that, that sense of the balance between I, I need to know more about, you know, I, I, it, it's not landing on its own. <laughs> Help me understand more about who you are. Absolutely. Well, I think that um, HR practitioners and folks like yourself that come from your background supporting the whole organization and how to build that team is that, you know, the recognition also of what the um, creative professional brings to the table. There only recently I saw um, there's a, a, a ranking list of the highest skills that are looked for um, in applicants these days and creativity is gone uh, quickly up on to the top of the list. I think it's three, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's getting higher. So if the employer and the organization and the HR folks know the value perhaps there will be a little bit of acceptance that goes along with that, that they don't necessarily demonstrate it the same way other people do, mm -hmm. right? It may come across differently, but is just as valuable because of how um, we can problem solve and create solutions. So I think it's about embracing, it's inclusivity, it's about diversity, it's about how they communicate that even in the job posting and asking for applicants yeah you know, really acknowledging that many people have very untraditional backgrounds and experiences, but given the conversation, they could actually see how it applies to the need mm. at the workplace or yeah. the holes that are there because they don't have a creative person um, in the mix and on the team. So I think it definitely comes, I, um, there's an importance of bridging the two worlds. Uh, we discussed this, I think, a little bit, is that not only does the creative um, professional need to bridge themselves into the real world on some levels, we're not over on this planet by ourselves, um, and then the, the world, the employers need to also consider walking across that bridge and seeing yeah. what goes on for us so, like, so that it's a mutually yeah. rewarding yeah. thing. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, it's a lot, we might look different, we might come across with different expressions, or visual or how we speak or how we choose our lifestyles, but it doesn't mean that we can't contribute to something very valuable in the workplace. So I think that's it. From I'm, still, I'm, I'm still thinking back to the resume that I received on a pop cam from a graphic artist. And you'll <laughs> never forget it, will you? Oh, am I gonna file this one? <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that's funny. I remember one time doing um, a resume on very hot pink paper because 
although I didn't have any other strategies, I knew I wanted to stand apart. And obviously the color choice I had was to express my creativity. Mm -hmm. um, I'm sure it was noticed, but not noticed for the um, quality of the content. It was more, it was another effort of winging it and um, more yelling that I was creative versus putting it into context. But I do like that because if something catches your eye, my gosh, that must be so refreshing. If you're well, then they say that whether it's purchasing a higher quality of of uh, paper or just a little bit different size of paper, you know. And again, you know, that, those are all ways of of having your particular application stand out just a little bit. Um, I haven't seen hot pink before, so <laughs> it was in the eighties. It was in the eighties. Let's oh, not I was bring that back in up. The 80s. <laughs> I had shoulder pads too. <laughs> yeah, I remember those days as well. <laughs> Anyways, we can go down a whole different <laughs> trail here. Mm -hmm. Now, you did make the the um, the point that you see people only really getting ready for career transition when they have to. Yeah, and that your encouragement would be for people to become much better at learning to self manage their careers. Um, so, from both the perspective of the individual self-managing because i you know i as an hr practitioner i saw too many people expecting hr to tell them what next steps they should take where they should go and you know it's like you're all individual you know and and, and it's it is a personal responsibility but there must be things that hr practitioners and people leading teams could be doing better to help with that encouragement. Again, what are you seeing and what are you suggesting? Well, I think it stems or, or continues on from that point of you know, expressing their inclusivity or diversity and their interest in um, hiring people that um, maybe look or, or behave slightly different or don't necessarily. We don't all show it just because I have purple hair doesn't mean everyone else announces their creativity. <laughs> So, but I think it's empathy, right? Empathy for those job seekers and recognizing that things are still changing and it's not a norm yet. Um, I think, you know, maybe it's not even just for creative types is that unfortunately, I hate to say it, is that I get a lot of job seekers saying that they've applied for jobs and they never hear back. Um, or that, um, the organizations aren't as open and as available as they'd like, like an open door policy so that an applicant that's just curious about working for the organization has the ability to reach out and ask questions about it and mm -hmm. truly have a dialogue and that that can be a good first step to even discover if it is a match. Um, I think that in the same way that a job seeker needs to recognize that their next job could be just around the corner. I think an HR person um, and good organizations, I always say they're always looking for good people, right? Mm -hmm. Keeping your eyes open and paying attention to what that looks like. Um, so that can include how they network, right? Or the circles right. they need to work in. Yep, yep. So I think there's that piece. Um, but yeah, it's sort of like it's a it's a cooperative relationship in a lot of ways. That asking asking the questions, being interested in paying attention to what people are interested in, um, and then I guess encouraging those kinds of conversations, um, job fairs, 
being out in the community and especially if you're a large organization of you know I, I mean I love what Amazon's doing right now very creative ads and Ooh, I love that and, it, and yeah. it, like you said it's like my silly branding with my purple hair and catching people's attention it works if it's just a little bit to catch attention then it, it opens up conversation mm -hmm. but I would also hope that it's not just a hat that they put on and say, okay, if I need more creative folks or I need to be more understanding of them. I think that um, even taking a bit of time to, to find um, the value that comes from that diversity in the workplace, what does the creative type bring to the table or just for that matter, just the diversity on the team, my goodness. It's like just keeping in mind that it's a two-way street that it's a give and take to be open and honest and even be willing to be surprised sometimes that that applicant might not be what you expected but wow that was that was pretty awesome and a great connection mm -hmm. um, interesting just taking a look at the next question i was going to ask you and whether it was clients who are creative types or not some of what they're actually seeking in their employment is common like security um, and sometimes it's about finding the balance i think it's absolutely balanced i know that a lot of the creative types they might say they want security but they'll just as quickly throw it in the garbage for freedom and and variety um, so sometimes it shows up in short stints versus longer um, commitment to jobs because they're so desperately needing change and diversity as well. And I'm not sure that people recognize that that security, like I said, it doesn't come from the job. And I would hope that the business or organization doesn't say that, you know, take this job and you're going to have all your bills paid and we're going to cover your benefits. I think that's too big of a promise to make. I would rather they say, we're going to work together yeah. and help you build all the confidence and competency so that when or if we are not going to be your next, you know, we're not going to be your job anymore or your employer, then you'll be um, prepared and we will too. So it, it's really not putting the blinders on that this is inevitable. We all always have change of uh, who we have as staff and, um, yeah, just that nurturing side of it. Yeah, I know that uh, Stephen Covey in his Seven Habits of Effective People mm -hmm. talks about keeping the knife edge sharp. Ooh. You know, and, and an employer absolutely can be working with individuals to ensure that if something happens, and for small organizations, there aren't necessarily going to be those promotional opportunities. You are going to have to go elsewhere to continue to grow in your career, uh, but where the, they can work together to at least keep the skills current so that if something happens where someone is now in a, a situation by their by choice or, or not that they're they're back into seeking another opportunity you know well skilled and um you know quite capable of, of landing something something new absolutely because um many people have said well why would i uh, teach my staff to uh, um, interview i don't want them to leave or also during all this COVID change, you know, how many employers were actually a little afraid to rehire folks knowing that they couldn't guarantee anything. I've also noticed a lot of real savvy and innovative employers offering this kind of coaching services as part of their benefits package. 
and that that can really speak to um, the intent behind and the the real belief in you know this is yours to self-manage and we're going to help you make that happen and that's how we can guarantee your success it might not be with us because we know that things change but goodness knows we're going to at least you know do the best we can to have you ready for the next step hopefully with us and what goes with that person as they transition somewhere else is a very positive reputation of the organization that they've just left oh and that goes so far what an employee a disgruntled employee can really really um, impact um, their future applicants especially with what is a glass door right that's one of those places where people can get very vocal about (laughs) being disappointed with an employer and that's what a lot of those testimonials um, can be in those environments right but you don't want that out there at all No. no no you want Hopefully, you know, when you're having a brew with your buds, um, you're saying positive things about an organization that, you know, that, that you're no longer with because it was a good experience and, you know, unfortunately, um, things happen. Now, you also, I love the an- analogy you used about this stuff being like an outfit that you see in a store window. You have to put it on, try it out, and see if it indeed meets your expectations. Now, you were speaking about finding that unique fit in both how we apply our skills and the organizations that we offer those skills to, because transition's tough. And, you know, the more homework you can do, the more like working with someone like yourself, you can do to, and the, the, the more you can ask those questions in the interviews to assure from both sides, the fit, then you're not going to need to feel the need for transition because it's not like getting into an organization and I know I was in one and within a very short period of time I knew I had I'd been sold a bill of goods yeah oops <laughs> yeah that and it was the best learning of my entire career I ended up staying for a period of time and I I just I grew with the job but I hadn't done my homework and the fit wasn't what I, I needed at that time and it was nothing as much to do with the organization as it was sort of who I was, where I was. I had a two-year-old and needed to, you know, not have a job that took 60 hours a week at the time. So it is like an outfit. I I really like that that analogy that you use. Well, and it's also, um, I often will use it certainly with those that are very visual as far as how they process. I think what happens when people are job seeking or maybe when, you know, the HR um, individual is seeking an applicant, we, we create this vision in our mind. It's um, like a picture. And I, I think of it like looking through a window. I'm not in it. I'm, I'm still at a distance and I'm imagining myself on the job wearing that outfit. So, so I'm, I'm living that job and I'm thinking about the commute or I'm thinking about having to meet the new people and what are they gonna be like? And then I'm, you know, maybe have broken trust or some of those things going on behind the scenes. So I'm concluding without evidence what it's gonna be like. You know, I've seen lots of things through a, a window pane at, um, when it's been displayed and it looks great. But if I put it on, um, sometimes I think of it like breaking in a pair of shoes. They might look great, but they hurt for a, a, quite a block of time before they're actually comfortable. So that's why I say it's like you can't just imagine yourself wearing the outfit or being in that environment. You have to put it on, but then have strategic measuring systems to actually see whether or not it is a long term um, solution. That's why companies have a probation period 
And in the same fashion, we need to be monitoring and measuring, but not being reactive. I often say, give it six months, because at least after six months, you will have had enough ups and downs on the job to have a proper inventory to take um, an analysis of or, or measure from. So wearing the outfit and imagining isn't really giving you the evidence that you need to see if that job is going to be a fit for you. Okay, sounds good. Um, I'm gonna take us another direction. You use the acronym SMART. And I am used to seeing that in goal setting, specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and time-based, but you've got a different definition. So I'm gonna ask you to talk about your SMART. Absolutely. I think one of the coolest parts is that the word art is in SMART. So I like to play around with how smart it is to incorporate art into the workplace. Okay. And also that it emphasizes that I, I support those that are creative, but really, um, if you break down that that word smart, yes, it's everywhere in goal setting and it's very common, but I use the S and the M. So the S is self, the M is manage, and then the A is about assessing who you are, what you bring to the table, you know, those inventories around our skills. The R is about getting ready with your tools, um, or excuse me, your, more your resume and your um, getting prepped for interviews. And then I make the T about the tools and the training, which is really the practice of getting all of that stuff together and then applying it in the interview. So yeah, that was my creative play on the word smart. I love it. A couple I different love it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm going to take us somewhere different again. We've got five different generations, I think, um, if I've counted accurately. Uh, currently working alongside one another. Um, you work with individuals in all of those, those five generations and the work that you do. What are you seeing as common traits and what are you seeing as more generation specific? I believe it is five, but that was, I, um, it's definitely five generations. And, and we know very well that people are not retiring um, automatically at 65 anymore. And We've got some real go-getters that are younger that are already in management roles. So yeah, there's a lot of diversity with the generations as well. And one of the biggest things is that they have very different values. Each generation has their own values about in, for personal and professional values. And they also have very different communication styles okay. and, and certainly work styles, you know, as well as I do. Oh my gosh, our, that older generation, you work until you, you ended up in the hospital and that was somehow admirable, right? Um, so work ethic, we've recognized that that needs to change a little bit, but I know I'm not like um, someone in their 20s that's running at top speed with their career. So it can feel awkward if you don't have this the same values. It's, it's really about saying, okay, we are different, but what could I gain from that other person? But my goodness, there can be conflict you know, an older um, individual, like I just would say a mature um, job seeker is probably mid thirties and up, right? They probably had a few jobs. Well, they may very well be interviewed or have a boss that's, you know, they think is as young as their own kid. And then to take direction from them can really push some buttons. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so I think everyone at the end of the day wants to feel appreciated and that their contribution has value. 
But like I mentioned, our workplaces are far more personal than they've ever been. So it's the relationships that are happening there. It's all those dynamics. I myself have gone and, and accepted jobs because of the people more than anything, knowing the team and that we would jive well together. So I think that every generation needs to know what is required for the process of um, you know, building their career, self-managing their career. Um, but sometimes we get tired, right? <laughs> I think that's why a lot of people want to be an employee instead of being um, um, taking on an entrepreneurial path. It's like, it's kind of nice when people just tell me what my job description is, what I need to do, but then we don't always want to be challenged. And that's the hard part when we have all these different thoughts and opinions and, and differences. So um, yeah, pretty much everyone needs to be on the same page in general. It's the same. It's kind of the same race. We're going yeah, for a yeah. job or we're networking. We're looking for opportunities. Doesn't matter. And you've mentioned that you're seeing some individuals more willing to deal with the transition (laughs) than to face a difficult conversation that might actually have positively influenced that need for transition. And I know in the work that I've done, um, there's lots of people that conflict avoidance is their preferred conflict management style. (laughs) Any thoughts on how we can help make having these difficult conversations more palatable, perhaps beyond some of the tips that you've provided already. Well, as in general, I think part of it is that we need to expect that they're going to happen. Go into it knowing that if we're putting a bunch of people together, even if they're not in close proximity, we are complex creatures. So there's stuff that comes up and that um, if we go in, to it already knowing that those things have potential to happen, then we don't wait until. Um, I think good organizations will constantly be providing opportunities or training or interactions or role-playing, so many different ways to teach um, conflict management, um, effective communication, the difference between being assertive or aggressive versus, uh, or passive for that matter. Um, I think that avoidance is really because nobody wants to be uncomfortable. You know, I don't want to hurt your feelings. I don't want to cry on the job. All of those overwhelming things. But by gosh, and by golly, you know, I, I would hope that more of us will accept that part of being a human also means that sometimes we're vulnerable and that emotions are involved and that we misunderstand each other. And that figuring out how to work together is even more important sometimes than what we do. I don't know. Yeah. Well, so much productive time is lost when. Well, there it is. Aren't dealt with. Yeah. So creating, creating those cultures where it's okay to have difficult conversations. And as you say, to provide the training. And I want to, I want to also piggyback that because I believe that some people talk the talk but they don't walk it. And I, I find that they're in my experience with applicants is that they see that marketed on the websites and they hear that in some of their lingo, but then when it comes down to it, they don't see it. And then they're even more disappointed because it feels like you said, you can feel like you've been lied to. Right. And I think that's, what's certainly influencing the disengagement figures is yeah. If you aren't seeing what, is touted as important, um, modeled, 
particularly by the, the formal leadership, um, it can have a huge impact on yeah. how you feel about the work that you're doing in, in the organization. You talked about uh, what you called a mosaic or a hybrid solution as a career option. What is this? And are you seeing it become more popular with your clients? Well, certainly um, not something I made up. I think um, others have used the term hybrid. And I think others have used the term mosaic. I like the visual that comes with mosaic. What I think about are all these different pieces and parts that come together to create a fuller picture and to give ourselves permission to recognize that if a job doesn't give me complete security, how else can I create security? Or if a job doesn't give me benefits, how else can I work with that so that maybe I save money for that? What I mean more than anything is that it can be very viable for someone, and I'm an example of it, you were you and I were talking about that. I have four different jobs for crying out loud. One of them, you know, it, it takes care of certain needs and interests for me. And it's the one that gives me my regular routine of a, every two weeks, I have an yeah. deposit into mm -hmm. my account. Um, I also take on side gigs where I can. I also coach where I can. I do painting classes where I can. And all together, it creates that satisfaction. Because as I had mentioned, and certainly with the creatives, is that they can sometimes feel that it's all or nothing, get a little black and white. If I take yeah. a job, the J-O-B means my heart breaks and I'm no longer mm -hmm. able to be in my purpose or my contribution with my creativity. And then that other side of it is that if I live as an artist, oh, you're going to be poor, right? And you can't yeah. make a living as an artist. So what if the two came together and painted this beautiful mosaic of different things and it just makes for a very complicated calendar and you got to learn how to juggle those things <laughs> but the satisfaction level is great because you're not putting all your eggs into one basket yeah yeah and I should share with our listeners it's four o'clock on Sunday afternoon it's the only time I could find with Charlene she's so <laughs> very busy evidence of my busy life but I wouldn't have it any other way because I know that I get you know I try to teach people not to say I get bored on the job what I would say is that I get great satisfaction from diversity flexibility those independent pieces and I know how to show up for you know a scheduled job as well so it, it's it's a really sweet way to take care of those really unique sort of that blend of Love, love it, love it. <laughs> now, you also, um, we've talked about taking the time to reflect on who you are, what your skills are, how to apply those skills, finding the right organization, and linking, finding careers that can be linked to purpose. And then you talked about there being a lot of hot buttons, and you also mentioned a permission button. Now, maybe it's taking my mind to the clown of what you've done with your career. What are those, the hot buttons, um, particularly the, the permission button? I'm curious. Well, I guess I, more than anything, I think one of the biggest hot buttons for many of us, and certainly in transitions and change in our life or things that make us feel uncomfortable is that I think the difference that makes the difference is giving yourself a permission slip that it you know anyone can learn how to um, look for a job anybody could learn how to interview anyone could learn how to po possibly excuse me for <laughs> i don't want to brush it off but doing the kind of work that you do right there are things that we can learn from a book and from experience 
but that doesn't change what goes on on the inside. Mm -hmm. and, and that's what I meant when I was talking about shaking up that apple tree, right? Okay. Yeah. Those self doubts might show up again and they might get louder or the yeah, buts um, and the what ifs. And I think those that boldly go um, have pushed a button somewhere deep in that core of who they are and said, I'm going to do this. I've given myself permission and it's not always going to be pretty. I think that's the side of it is that it's too conditional. People don't feel comfortable taking the risk because it's going to create more discomfort. But if I can embrace discomfort and embrace the vulnerability and give myself permission to just take those steps forward and learn and earn uh, my success, I think that's where the core of the matter is. It's... Um, you know, some people might laugh and, and suggest that I'm making a subject like job search so much deeper, but it's people work. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's who we are. And, and yeah, when we're not feeling comfortable about that, that's just, yeah, not fun. So yeah, pish, permission to fail. I say fail forward. I love, I was just about to say fail forward. Yeah. Just brush your knees off, get up. And what did you just learn from what happened? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I also think that those that haven't done that or have had some major um, challenges, they're like, what are you talking about? You know, failure? Because um, we, we often talk about fear of success as well as fear, fear of failure. So they're really clear about the fear of failure and why would I even embrace that? But then even not understanding the fear of success components that keep people um, holding back as well. So yeah, I think Maybe it comes with maturity, but I think it's certainly with um, the emotional intelligence or the self-reflection saying, okay, how can I do this? And guess what? I'm going to do this. And yep. not foolishly and not blindly, but I'm going to keep moving forward. Yeah. Tell, tell, tell all of those imposter syndrome gremlins to just quieten down. Yes, please. Yeah. And, and that subject, you doing that class with us um, and all the students in our, our group, it was everything that they needed to hear. And it was such perfect timing because they had been doing for a long time some of the hard work of building a business. They had come into it really excited. There was no gremlins talking to the men. They were just, woo, it's great. I'm going to be self-employed. And then they got to the hard work of it. And then all of that starts showing up. So um, I think that you're really working at, uh, at the core of the matter of all of these things and the human aspects of, you know, work. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Those, uh, those inner voices can be pretty darn loud. And especially mm -hmm. when it's, we're stepping into things that we've not done before. Mm -hmm. um, and it's like, why me, you know, all the rest of it. So, um, I'm glad that that was able to help. Um, let me see. What haven't I asked you about? I think we've, you've covered all the questions that I've got, but I'm sure I've missed, and I wanna ask you about your online training, but before we go there, um, anything that when you're talking about transition, uh, particularly for those who consider themselves creativepreneurs or, or wish to pursue entrepreneurship as, as their, their next step, well, maybe I should just get a T-shirt and say you can do it. But, it, it, you know, it's kind of like helping folks believe that they have these choices available 
um, that it's not something that we just deserve to be given to us or handed over to us, that if we're going to choose these different paths, then we need to step into the responsibility. I love the term. Someone taught me that the word responsibility is responding to my ability. Oh, lovely. Oh, it's so good. And that discipline is remembering what I want instead of something that's maybe negative, right? So I think that overall, it's about asking yourself, who do I want to be in this world? And those of us that were given a really clear indication that that's a creative um, offering, that I think that that's been given to us so that we can share it with the world. I don't know that those kinds of gifts, just like other talents and whatnot, I don't think they're given to us to keep just for ourselves. They're meant to share with the world. So, you know, I think just kind of slowing down, maybe being, you know, certainly being aware of your internal dialogue and, and, recognizing that our brain will <laughs> lies to us <laughs> it fully lies to us you know fear what is that um the acronym false evidence appears real like literally we can convince ourselves both ways that something's not going to work or that it's going to work mm -hmm. and um i just would hope that people step into that discomfort and allow themselves to go through the process so that they can then look back and go, Hey, yeah, not only did I do it, but now I can tell other people that, yeah, you could do it too. Cause I did. So it just feels like this really big sort of interconnected web. Um, wow. I use so many visual metaphors. It's awesome. Well, I, lo I, I love it. I love it. And, you know, as, I, as I'm listening to you, you talk, you know, Elvis Presley and Oprah Winfrey and Brené Brown didn't start out all of a sudden hit parades. They, you know, I've, I've read um, books on Elvis Presley and his struggle. I've read Oprah's book and, and what they ended up going through. Uh, it's, it's, you know, it was the same as the rest of us are having to go through. It's one step in front of the other. And, you know, the things that work, you do more of. And the things that don't work, you've, you've learned from. And I remember watching, I think it was the Emmys and this woman stepped forward and she said, I had 50 followers and then I had 50,000. She couldn't believe, you know, it just took off and we don't know. But if, if we don't put ourselves out there, willing to try something, to do it differently, modeling it for others so that they can, okay, well, Susan did it, Charlene did it, maybe I'll try it. And we'll never know what the grand adventure could possibly have been uh, if we could play it safe all the time. So I, I love, I love and encourage that if you've got the capability of the artistry uh, to, to not let that die with you and to, Absolutely. I'm so glad that you're doing the work that you do and helping people recognize that. I just, I know that there are people that, through outplacement processes have found because of the testing that they do that, you know, I've had the outplacement person say, it's no wonder that person was struggling. Like they are so in the wrong, you know, they're an artist, they're a musician. Um, they're not enabling their soul to sing <laughs> and then finding something that was just a better fit or, or as you say, encouragement to, to make that mosaic so that, um, that more of who they are can be, um, encompassed in, in their life's work. 
Absolutely. Yes. And yes. And yes. <laughs> more of you, more of you. Um, I noticed on your website that you have got um, online courses and I don't know whether any of those are um, currently underway, whether they're, they're self-paced. Can you tell us a little bit more about, about that part of one of those myriad of jobs? <laughs> one of the many things that I offer. Yeah. Well, I recognize that almost everyone that's struggling in the transition faces almost the same key problem areas. So I took from all my experiences and all those pain points that I saw people going through and I created a, a workshop with nine modules that address those pain points and therefore also created that acronym of the SMART, the way I, yep. I put it out. Um, so what it is, it is available. It's an online platform. I've got three versions. One's a do-it-yourself. One is um, one where you go through the modules and then you, you meet up with a group um, in between the module or excuse me, the phases because of the three phases, right? Yeah. The first phase being assess, the second being getting ready and the third, that training and tools part. So breaking it up into the three phases and we meet to, um, in between in groups because there's great wisdom in groups mm -hmm. as well. And then the other one is where that platform with that um, framework is available. So you're kind of doing homework on the side, but then you're meeting me one-on-one. -on -one. But okay. the next iteration, I believe is the term of that, is that um, I really want to take it to a higher level for those that are creative or just like doing stuff that's a little more creative, I'm going to be incorporating a creative activity with, within each of those oh. steps to integrate the, um, the learning or to help um, with the learning styles and to also have a, a visual representation. You and I talked about collaging and how powerful that mm -hmm. can be as well. So just kind of spinning it a little bit with that um, creative um, angle. It might be where I bring in those painting, um, all the years that I've taught painting, there might be a piece of that as well. Um, yes, like so, that, so a little bit of everything, but mainly, me up. <laughs> yeah, mainly the biggest thing is that I hope that people just would reach out and talk to me because okay. there's multiple things that I can do. And it's really a, a personal transaction that, you know, yeah. I'd want to see what's so all your contact information will be on the show notes for the podcast, but yeah. just really quickly for someone who's not able to take that few minutes, how's the best way to reach you? I think really, um, if you get on that website, um, and there, I have um, an area where you can select a meet and greet where you can just, um, get connected with me and we can just chat and see if we're a match. I might even be able to give you a couple answers right then and there. So I think that's ideal, the website. Can you, can you share your website for the listener so that? Excuse me, www.smartcareersolutions.com. Perfect. Okay. <laughs> so literal, pardon me. <laughs> yep, yep, nope, that's perfect. And as I share um, all that information, your, your email address and... Um, um, yeah, any, any relevant information will be on the show notes, but for anyone who's not going to have the time to do that, I'm glad that they've got your website. Oh, I appreciate you being inclusive with that too. I, I certainly people, again, I would want the emphasis to be not just on the verbal um, sharing of information, you know, 
people would like to probably go and look at things as well. They might need to inspect and analyze as well. So yeah, um, and thank you. I don't think there was anything about the professional clown. So, so if you're looking for that. <laughs> no, I don't do that anymore, but it is, it was an option at the time and I'm one to say yes to opportunity. Yeah, I love it, I love it. <laughs> I just so appreciate, cause I know that I never got a chance to truly nurture the creative side in me and I do love collaging. Um, and I just, I know how wonderful it feels to now, I guess it's more of a mosaic and, and some by choice. Um, and we don't need to wait until we're semi-retired to define those fits for us. So I, I love the work that you're doing. Um, and unfortunately it's time for us to bring this podcast to a close. So, um, unless there's just that one last nugget you want to share. Um, thank you. Thanks for making it. Don't I do have a nugget. Time. Don't you hey. dare give me the opportunity for another. I'm so thrilled that you're doing that because the wellness component. So people don't have to be professional creatives out there in the world. But another thing that's big that I promote, and I'm glad that you're experiencing, and I know that you're offering some services and opportunities for people, is that recognizing that just being creative can be therapeutic in its own right. And that the wellness factors that happen, not only for those of us that are aligned and living it and breathing it, but just having um, a taste of it can bring a lot of value. You know, they have all kinds of evidence with it being good for our brain, our concentration, you know, it calms us. I think it's kind of like meditation for a lot of people as well. So I'm really pleased that you're doing that. And I, like I said to you before, I hope to be involved with whatever you uh, uh, bring to the world. What's, what's really cool. I remember one organization that I was with and we had a, we're not only our jobs day, where people, there were refurbished, cars there were sculptures and paintings and photography it was phenomenal and what it helped us realize is that we really don't take the time to get to know one another beyond the work and when we did and when we started to embrace a more holistic view of of your our work colleagues what a difference it made it's so, so true. I don't even call those team building anymore. I call them team bonding. And that's the kind of thing that an organization can do to not only bring that out um, in conversation, but to demonstrate that they too are in alignment with the, um, yeah. the importance of the creative input. So that's great. That's a good example. Maybe I'll want you, to do you, that soon. <laughs> you realize you're discouraging me from closing this podcast because every time I ask for a nugget, something else wonderful comes out. No, thank you so much. I can, I can wrap it up. I appreciate <laughs> that you've given me all this time. I think it's once I get going and like our last conversation, this is so, um, it's just in my heart and I believe in all of this. So I appreciate well, it. And for our listeners, you can, you can now have a, a little bit of an understanding why I actually, ha I had to, to meet this lady. <laughs> I, I had to have a, a deeper conversation with her and we both hope that you have enjoyed the nuggets of, of learning, um, just some tips for those, those challenging times, those transition times for us um, of what might work a little bit better for you. And I will be back again next week. I hope you will again join me as you, you guessed it, dare to soar. Charlene and Susan signing out. Thank you again, Charlene. Peace. <laughs> she's, she's showing me a peace sign. <laughs> <laughs>
Oh, anyway, have, have a great rest of your day, everybody. And uh, hopefully I'll see you again next week or we'll be here again next week. Bye for now. Well, we've reached our destination for today. Time to lower those wheels and prepare for landing. Thank you for joining me. If I said something that resonated with you, please subscribe to the podcast and to share it with others. It would be awesome if you also took the time to provide a review, whatever your favorite social media sites are. If you have a question or an area that you hope I'll cover in a future session, please send me a note either to my website, www.effectingchangefromwithin.com or to my email, susangenay at gmail.com. I look forward to our next time together. In the meantime, soar high. I believe you can. Susan signing off. Thanks again for joining me.